0: Welcome to episode number 21 of the Lines Podcast. Joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry. My name is Matt Brown. Joined this week by Brett Colson, Eric Ramsey, and the debut of the sultry voice of Adam Candy. Adam, we are very happy to have you here. Uh, Reading all your stuff over on LegalSportsReport.com, but uh, glad to get your insight into some of the stuff that's going on in this crazy gambling world.
1: Hey man, anywhere you were you want to describe me as sultry, I'm there. Yes. Yeah, that is a sultry voice, for
0: isn't sure. is Isn't it though, uh, guys? As usual, please go to iTunes and subscribe, rate, review, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Apparently, they have not fixed this glitch yet, so do this thing. It will shoot us up the, it'll shoot us up the charts. And you want everybody listening to this because, uh, yeah, we need smart people listening to this, and we'll get to a little bit about that a little bit later. And of course, if you want to send us any feedback, podcast at the lines dot com. We will talk the New Jersey numbers and they were quite impressive. We'll talk a couple of launches that happened in New Jersey as well. And we'll talk about an opinion piece that appeared on the lines that got everybody in sports sports gambling Twitter all riled up. But first quick hits here. FanDuel Sports Book open at the Greenbrier, Eric. Yeah, it's
2: open. We have two sports books now in West Virginia. Uh, The first one at Hollywood opened earlier in the month, and now Greenbrier open. The problem is you can't really go there. Uh, It's a private resort. Uh, Memberships are more than $1,000. But uh, there is a FanDuel branded sports book open at the Greenbrier in West Virginia.
0: Now, Adam, this seems to be more of an online slash uh, app play here when it comes to FanDuel than anything else. Because as Eric just mentioned, unless you live within the Greenbrier, which the minimum apparently house that you can buy there is close to a million dollars, and the you know if you're not a member of the tennis and golf club there, then you can't really uh, and and or staying at the resort, you can't frequent this 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 sports book that's going to be going on there. So it seems like this is more for FanDuel from the app side of things, right?
1: Yeah, there are five friendly tellers waiting at the window, and I don't know who they're talking to right now because <laughs> there's no way that they have enough people to fill everything up at that book. You're looking at memberships that start just under $2,000 at Greenbrier, and in the end, for FanDuel, this just gives them the reverse of New Jersey because now they actually have a market advantage being able to jump in in West Virginia and be able to able to get mobile going while DraftKings is still looking for a partner in West Virginia.
0: Brett you know after 7 p.m. at the Greenbrier In order to enter the casino you have to wear a jacket Do you, do you even own a jacket?
3: <laughs> uh, probably nothing fancy enough to get into that place
0: you'd have, to, you'd have to rent a jacket from these guys
3: Yeah I probably would
0: and, and then give them all your money as you sat there at the table games <laughs> Oh man! Literally so
3: lose the jacket off
2: your back right? the, Yeah they would but, take it right uh, back from you for sure <laughs>
0: um, A new state Some sports betting progress being made in Arkansas Eric
2: Yeah, we thought we were uh, done with sports betting legislation for the year, but Arkansas has suddenly appeared on the radar here. There's a private advocacy group called Driving Arkansas Forward, and uh, they've gotten enough signatures to get a measure on the ballot this fall that would uh, basically legalize full-scale gambling and authorize two new casinos outside of Little Rock. Uh, Those four properties would all be allowed to offer sports betting if this referendum passes. So voters uh, essentially will decide the fate of Arkansas sports betting uh, in November.
0: Pretty interesting that some of these states that really have shied away for so incredibly long are seeing these numbers come out. They're worried about the business leaving the state and going to these other states and whatnot, and all of a sudden their tune that they have been beating the drum for for the last decade now instantly changes because crazy how money talks, right, guys?
1: Oh, my gosh, no question about it. And they can look right over at Mississippi and see that Mississippi basically has the South to itself right now. We're still patiently waiting for the numbers to come out on the first month from Mississippi, but we know what college sports means down there, and we know that Arkansas wants to get in and get their piece.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is pretty interesting. I'm from that area, so to have these guys embrace this thing that they have been talking trash about for so long is pretty crazy to me but again money talks and that is how things are going to work as we move forward in this industry adam you wrote you a story over there on legalsportsreport.com the aaf and sports betting and mgm and everybody seems to be all getting into bed together
1: there's so much to talk about with this if we really want to break it down but the AAF, the, the Alliance of American Football. So we've got Dick Ebersol's son, Charlie, the former NBC Sports chairman, Dick Ebersol, along with Bill Polian. Um, if you don't know who Bill Polian is, just ask Mel Kiper. And you know that the <laughs> these two are now putting together this league that's going to operate in the spring. Not this is now for anybody who's wondering, this is not the XFL. This is not the same thing as what Vince McMahon is doing. But this league is talking about doing some things like. Having players be able to make more money based on how many people bet on them They're talking about forcing players to use wearables for fitness technology to gather second-gen stats that can be used for in-play betting in fact the AAF gave an exclusive on in-play to MGM Which of course has its deal with the NBA very curious what Adam Silver thinks about this deal, but at the same time, there's so much for us to digest when we have the time on this AAF deal.
0: Yeah, once we really get to to dig into this and get some more questions answered, this will certainly be another topic here on the podcast. But very interesting, uh, Eric, as we continue to move and we, you know, from where we were when we started this podcast a few months ago to uh, where we are now with with leagues actually, and granted, you know, upstart leagues leagues you probably never heard of until you listen to this podcast just now, but leagues nonetheless embracing sports betting.
2: Yeah. We talked about this with the XFL as well. These, you know, obviously these upstart leagues, but even some of the lesser, impor- lesser popular U S sports leagues, the NHL and things like that, tennis and golf could, could re- really need to do whatever they can to, uh, to endear themselves to the sports betting industry. It's yeah. You know, maybe this is taking it a little too far with well, something we'll talk about later. I'm not, not sure how I feel about this, but, uh, the fact remains, if you're looking to capture an
0: audience in sports, betting is going to be a, a part of what you need to, to embrace. Absolutely. Now, Brett, over at the lines, story was written about new sports betting programming that's going to be arriving all over the place. Of course, this is something we anticipated, not quite as many as I thought, but at the same time, it's a situation where when the PASPA timing came about, these networks didn't really have time to to get stuff in order. I think we will see, uh, I mean, 10x the programming for next football season than we see right now. But still, a lot of stuff popping up all over the place.
3: Yeah, we've seen a flood of new shows uh, across television, streaming, radio, podcasting networks. Uh, v really got the ball rolling last year with uh, 24-hour sports betting programming that airs on its website and across some other uh, avenues. And now CBS, Fox, ESPN getting in the water, riding the sports betting wave. I'll admit I have not checked out many of these uh, shows yet. Uh, Nobody ratings,
2: else is either. Don't worry. Yeah, about it. We'll
3: have to, yeah that's what I was going to say. the <laughs> The ratings are less than impressive so far. Um, I don't know. I, I I know, Matt. You checked out the the one show, Lock It In. What were your, What were your initial thoughts on that one?
0: Honestly, more than anything, I just think that listen I don't hate the fact that they came out with a show and that they're testing the wires I just think they went overboard with it I mean it's it's every single day for an hour so they they went from zero to a hundred as opposed to kind of like going from zero to 50 which is where I think I would have landed half hour program maybe I would if you want to do an hour maybe you only do it twice a week something like that but I don't know if there's a a real you know, appetite for five hours a week of gambling programming right now when really and truly we're looking at Nevada and New Jersey as, as the two big states where you can get this going. And, you know, Mississippi, we imagine at some point will roll out mobile uh, to everybody as opposed to just being on property and different things like that. But, you know, I don't know if the appetite is there five days a week for an hour uh, as we go along about this. I know Adam, Uh, You know, you've you've done some TV as well and things like that. I mean, how do you feel about kind of, you know, the five hours a week of nothing but gambling programming?
1: Uh, In short, no. Uh, But if we're really going to talk about it, I, I think it's exactly what you just said. There's so much enthusiasm to jump out there on this right now. And in the end, that's fantastic for the industry as a whole. However, there's going to get to a point of saturation here really fast where there's not just not that much to talk about and hey i mean that doesn't stop sports talk radio on any given day not having much to talk about but when it comes to the industry in specific not only are you potentially going to deal with saturation but are, do you really have the right people Doing all of the talking head stuff at this point, I think it would have been a little smarter to roll out a little slower. But you know, we're here now. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's
3: that's my big issue right now is are these people brought into these shows qualified to talk about sports betting in a way that's both informational to viewers and responsible? Uh, I just from what I've seen here, it doesn't appear that way.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the main issue with this is when you do have an hour and you have to fill an hour every single day is you kind of end up making a show without an identity because is it a smart show? Is it an entertainment show? Is it a comedy show? Is it whatever? And and I think that they're trying to mesh all of that into one. And I think maybe those are two different shows. Maybe you have the smart show, and then you also have kind of the more entertainment-based show. I don't know if that's all one show. But again, look, it's early. They had to get it out really quickly, and I think it will improve with time for sure. Uh, but uh, definitely out of the gate here, a little bit of, a little bit of a struggle. Um, I, per, I personally, uh, was lucky enough to be kind of part of this wave here. Uh, my, one of my, uh, good friends, Dave fair and I are doing a hour long sports betting preview that leads right into actually a, a game broadcast on the radio, uh, each Sunday morning. So it's interesting. I mean, it's one of those things where this, where they went out on a limb, uh, doing it for Vison and, um, It's a they went out on a limb to kind of like put in a a gambling show leading into a broadcast and whatnot. And, you know, we'll see how how receptive everything is to that as well. But it's very, very interesting, very interesting times for something that even just a year ago, people would have laughed you out of the room if you said, hey, let's do an hour long gambling show leading into a play by play broadcast. I think that people would have literally literally would have never taken your phone call ever again if you pitched that to them. They probably would have said
2: something similar about about DFS in the past or about fantasy sports, but you know I think that that seems like a sharp move by Visa in The the pregame slot and maybe a postgame slot or a Monday morning thing seem like the the way we consume fantasy content uh, would translate well to to betting content, in my opinion.
0: So New Jersey came out with their August numbers here, and I think everyone across the board here is going to have kind of the same opinion here. So if you're looking for an argument, you're probably not going to get it, but. The numbers came out, and Adam, we'll start with you on this. I mean, it was, when you're talking about August, guys, so this is a calendar month, so we're talking literally cuts off on the last day of August. So when we're talking about these numbers, keep that in mind and do realize that we're talking not none of the regular season of the NFL, and we're also talking about missing the first big college football Saturday as well. So I, when these numbers came out, I think all of us were pretty impressed.
1: No question about it in terms of the the volume. And the other thing that you didn't mention that I know we're going to get into is the fact that there was not much mobile involved in this either. I mean, you had DraftKings out there to themselves basically for the first three weeks. You had a couple others jumping in at the end of the month and adding a little bit to it. And mobile was still a huge slice of the handle. And now we're really going to get into it with eight different casinos in New Jersey offering mobile I really between football just coming online and mobile really just coming online you feel like it's just a little crack in the dam that's about to start flooding
0: now eric we talked about how location is going to be key in all of this for the physical sports books and we made the prediction when all this went down that the one that was closest to new york where new york has no sports betting currently we figured we'd be doing pretty good that seems to be the case
2: yeah, this is not really hard. We, you know, we saw this coming a mile away. Uh, Adam just talked about the the online revenue. That was about three million of the nine million in revenue. That was, so about a third. Another third came from Meadowlands by itself. Just about three million in revenue uh, for the month. They, you know, anecdotal reports say a ton of action on the preseason game for the Jets and the Giants, which bodes well for football season. They're starting to figure out the logistics of moving people around and getting people parked and accommodated for game days. Um, don't expect Meadowlands to give up that top spot for for the football season.
0: Brett, nearly $100 million in handle in August. And again, a, a month. We're just going to keep beating you over the head with this. But a month that there was not a lot to bet on is certainly nothing for casual people to bet on. I mean, if you're a hardcore guy, you might bet preseason NFL. Uh, but certainly nothing for the casual better. To bet on so when we look at this nearly a 100 in revenue now we get the first big college football Saturday there was nothing else to bet on then except for college football there was an island game on Sunday there was an island game on Monday and that led right into the opening week of NFL I mean when we look at what September might bring can you even can you even put a number on what the handle might be
3: I can't. All I can say is it is exciting because as Adam mentioned, the you know, the all of these online books is just going to uh, provide more opportunities for betters all over the state to get in on this and uh yeah it's, it's it's really exciting to see what's going on in new jersey and uh, it'll give us an idea of what to expect around the country going forward all right guys you I mean, don't
0: c- you don't have to give me an a, you don't have to give me an uh a, a long explanation here but since we are talking about gambling i'll set the line at 299.5 that's a really good line in handle uh over or under eric
2: i'll
0: take the over uh, oh. i'll give you
2: some quick context too yeah. Uh, revenue has basically increased about two and a half X every month. So we had 95 million this month. That would be about 250 million for next month. But all these things we just talked about new operators, football season, uh, I will take the over. And also you should know that that's about half of Nevada. If if we get to 300 million, that's more than half of, of a
1: Nevada September. for Chris. Adam, what?
0: Adam, was I too low on this? Was I, was I too low? Am I over under? Should I go back here? What What have I done?
1: Oh, oh no. We're going to clean you out on this one. Over. (laughs) Over. No question about it. I mean, I mean, Eric just went in there and used actual math. So good job. Good job, Eric, using math. But yeah, if we we just talk in terms of anecdotes here, I have no question that it's going to be over two ninety nine and a half. And I just want to offer one quick moment of silence for our friend Gary Pretlow. Because when we talk about the fact that New York missed out on this and that a third of the revenue came in at Meadowlands with everyone coming over from New York City, somewhere in Mount Vernon, there's a very sad man crying into a scotch right now.
2: How about one for Brett and I in the, in his uh, beautiful state of New York? They can't participate in this industry either.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, you guys. Okay. Yeah. I, I, nice. Out here in Vegas, we didn't really think about that.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah we're not exactly right on the border either. I'm about... What eight eight hour drive away from from yeah, <laughs> legal sports betting? Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, all right, Brad. I got the, I got two overs. I assume you're 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 going with the over as well, huh?
3: Oh yeah, I'm gonna tell these smart guys for sure. Yeah,
0: all right. All right. No. Well, I I I messed up the line. I will try to make a better line after September. How about that? Well, let when me ask the...
3: this. Let me ask this. What does the usual bump in Nevada look like from August to September? Do we know?
2: I didn't have the August. Well, do you know August off the top of your head? I know last September Nevada uh, was about 560 million in handle.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, around 6 is a pretty solid estimate. Okay.
2: This is going so to be in a- that, I mean, we're, you know, we all smashed you over, but that is a really big number in a vacuum. 300 million up from, you know, 95 million. We're <laughs> We're talking about – we're getting into the really juicy numbers for New Jersey here.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely is. And I think, I think when these – if the we, we talk about these lawmakers already kind of changing their tune. I think when they see the September numbers, we're going to see a lot of lawmakers changing their tune because they're going to say, you got to be kidding me. How, how are we letting this money uh, – one, how are we not allowing this money in our state? And two, for the bordering states, how are we allowing this money – to leave our state and head elsewhere uh eric before we get off of of new jersey here you just uh put out a nice little a nice piece over on legal uh very long and i don't i want people to go over there and read the whole thing but can you give the cliff notes uh you were able to talk to a regulator
2: this was actually testimony from the the director of the dge in new jersey david Rebuck. uh he was speaking before a committee Yesterday, and he basically gave the whole State of the Union. He's he's really sharp about sports betting. You should listen to every word he says. Um, he talked about, you know, he made a really big push about addressing the offshore market. This is money that's that's now escaping New Jersey's coffers, and he wants to collect it. Uh, he said he's already working on 100 at least 108 illegal sites that are serving U.S. customers that he's been talking with the DOJ and operators and the leagues about addressing this issue. Uh, he also said he's working with the leagues on integrity, which, you know, we, the state and the leagues don't get along so great in New Jersey. But uh, when it comes to integrity, they're on the same team. They've already talked through a couple issues since launch on the integrity side. And, yeah, really, the, the big takeaway was, was that uh, about offshore operators. He has a serious appetite to go after them. Not really clear exactly how much he can do on his own, but he's starting to at least get the troops together for for an attack.
0: Yeah. I mean, Brett, we talked about this on this podcast. We figured that once these states kind of had a had a little skin in the game themselves, that maybe there would be a little bit more urgency for them to take a look at some of the kind of, quote unquote, black market stuff that's going on. And it seems at least at least in this uh, at least in this anecdote that that's going to be the case
3: of course, and good on them for getting at this early uh, because this, it needs to happen. There, there is an actual war going on right now between legal sports books and offshore books in the U.S. right now. We've seen in the, in the marketing dollars that the spend that these offshore sites are using right now to attract uneducated bettors who might not realize that these sites are offshore and not legal in the U.S. So, yeah, it's, it's important for the states to get in early.
0: Adam, one things that one of the things that we've talked about on this podcast, and want to get your take on this, are you Are you as surprised as we are that the mainstream media, and especially some of the biggest, I mean, the very biggest sports media companies in the world, continue to kind of toe the line between talking about what is quote unquote a Vegas line when they you know mention an offshore book or mention different things like that? I I, I just I feel that the I feel that basically they are not really grasping what they're doing by, you know, quoting an an offshore book. And it basically almost validates that people should be betting offshore.
1: Agreed completely. I I think there's an education curve here, though. To ask, am I surprised? No, I'm really not surprised at all. I think the names of some of the offshore books have become synonymous with, and this is air quotes, sports betting. I think it's going to take some time for – the mainstream media to catch up on this and to get into doing the right thing and promoting the industry that is right here legally within the borders of the United States. So I do think it'll happen, but I think it's going to take studious push by folks like us right here to start to get that done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if you guys are in New Jersey and or around New Jersey and you are not a fan of DraftKings or FanDuel or SugarHouse or MGM or any of the plethora of things that are of, of betting apps that are going on out there good news for you because Eric we have a couple more options
2: Two more launched this week. We're now, Adam, I think mentioned earlier, up to eight online platforms in New Jersey. Uh, Same number of retail sports books. We also have eight of those. I don't expect that this will be the last time we have as many retail sports books as online, because online is growing fast. Uh, It was 888 that launched last weekend, I think Saturday, maybe. Don't hold me to that. But uh, launched on Saturday there, the Caesars partner. Um, So that client is rolled into their uh, existing poker and casino platform. That's a combi can product uh and then later this week bet stars also launched we kind of hinted hinted this was coming uh the stars group the parent company is the largest publicly traded gambling company in the world they operate poker stars in the poker stars casino in new jersey and now bet stars as well which is you know another really large international sports betting brand
0: Now, when this went live, uh, Brett, this was one of those things where we expected stars to be kind of innovative. We've seen it with their poker product. They are constantly tweaking, trying new games, trying new things, trying to figure out what the average Joe, if you will, the kind of casual consumer wants and, and finds interesting. And it's really no different with bet stars. We found that they've, you know, right out of the gate here have like three different kind of, you know, off the wall, exotic type bets, if you will.
3: Yeah, I'm very impressed with what I've seen at Best Stars so far. I love these promotions that they have going on right now. They're offering a Super Bowl future with minimum odds of $100 for any team you want. Patriots, Eagles, $5. Oh, wow. It's a $5 max bet, but it gives betters a fun sweat, get in the action for you know, a small amount uh, for the whole season, a chance of hitting a nice score. Also penny penny bets yes some events, hey. which is awesome give the casual bettors casino players poker players a taste of sports betting without having to put a significant amount on a game i really like what i've seen here from bet stars and it's it's no different than really what we've seen them do uh with the poker uh, with you know catering to the casual player
0: you know adam this is one of the things you and i live in in vegas and we've obviously been around these mega gaming corporations and sportsbooks for a long time i think that is going to be the biggest shift for in at least in mindset between these kind of online companies that are coming in as opposed to the companies that are traditional in gaming around here is the fact that These these uh, we've seen out of the gate here with BetStars, with FanDuel and with DraftKings that they are going after the casual player and going after the casual player hard. I mean, the thought of a minimum die, you know, we saw ten cent was the minimum bet at DraftKings when that came out. And we were like, you got to be kidding me. And then here comes BetStars with a minimum bet of a penny on some events. I mean, listen, this is one of those things where they're trying to literally cast the net as wide as humanly possible and I think that I think we're going to have to see a shift from some of the bigger traditional gaming companies uh you know definitely the ones here in Las Vegas and stuff if they want to compete for that business you and I
1: know enough people in this town in this industry to know that the size of the market the what is the sports betting market really hasn't changed that much i mean it expands and contracts a little bit you you have your sharps you have your guys who who make their living this way but it hasn't been this sort of opportunity. And this is the sort of thing that I think we can talk all we want and throw the AGA stats about 250 billion out there. And you you know, it all sounds like big stuff out in the ether, but when you can grab onto something like this and say, wow, these are the sorts of things that a casual better is going to look at and go, Oh, I can do that. And then you start to understand just how many people that these online books are looking at, that the pro sports leagues are looking at, that everyone is looking at and saying, oh, we can bring them in? We can give them just that little taste on a 10-cent line or or a penny line and get them into this and then see where it goes? That's what really starts to give me a sense of how big this market can become.
0: Yeah, and I I am, listen, I'm a fan of any sort of innovation in things. And, you know, look, some of these things they've got going, they've got like a... It's basically like a if you're if you're familiar with the poker it's basically like a spin and go for betting and stuff. So, now whether yeah. that will work out, I don't know. It might crash and burn, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm okay with them trying this stuff because I think they will need people will need to continue to gamify things. We saw it come through today and I we put it we talked about it a little bit in the company Slack was that, you know, FanDuel basically came out with it's basically player props, but it's it's strictly based off of fantasy points on FanDuel. And I think stuff like that, I think people want these player props. And a lot of the times the traditional sports books, these player props don't come out until, you know, like Sunday mornings a lot of times. And now you're going to bet on, you know, who's going to score the most fantasy points on FanDuel. This is some stuff that I think a DFS player is already looking at anyway. So they might be now more curious into dipping their toe in the sports betting market because they feel like, hey, I'm already a DFS player I'm pretty good at DFS. Now I have a chance to sports wager on my DFS knowledge. So I think this was a very smart move on their part. And I imagine that some of these other gaming companies will will follow suit. I think you have
2: to, with the landscape getting a little crowded, uh, new operators are going to have to find little differentiators to set themselves apart. For some people, it'll be their brands. That's certainly the case for DraftKings and FanDuel. And for, you know, BetStars has incorporated these these features that PokerStars players are familiar with that makes it a little more accessible. So, yeah, it's not just um, offering the best lines. There's more than one way to to compete in the marketplace.
0: Absolutely, and something we're going to touch on here very, very soon. But before we do that, let's talk about let's talk about a federal, we hear this all the time and I guess there are rumors that there might be a committee that meets some sometime in the next couple of weeks or whatever, but let's talk at least Eric uh, about what we know about the federal landscape right now.
2: Yeah. So we know, I mean, we've, this is something that kind of comes up quickly every week. We have uh you know, Senator Warren Hatch has talked about uh, introducing federal legislation, and so is Senator Chuck Schumer. We also have uh, an existing measure from a New Jersey congressman, Frank Pallone. Uh, on the same day that the Supreme Court was hearing oral arguments on New Jersey's case, Pallone was introducing a federal uh, framework for legislation, the Game Act. So this was back in December. It uh, sounds like now he's going to pull the plug on that and sort of abandon that effort, um, wants to leave things to the state. The American Gaming Asa- Association, of course, supports that, uh, supports, you know, state-based regulation. Um, so, you know, it's good that that, uh, that uh, Polon is not moving forward with federal framework. We don't necessarily think that's the way to go. The only problem is he was sort of the ally at the federal level. His, his framework was, you know, New Jersey-centric and sort of friendly to— the industry so we've sort of lost an ally at the front of this charge in congress it seems
0: adam when we look at this on a federal level it seems that not that we ever considered that this was a, a thing that could possibly happen here i mean as always we see these things pop up all the time and they make all the headlines and then really no action ever gets taken but to see them go ahead and pull this at this level and say like, okay, we're going to hand this over to the States. I think that at least if you're in a state and you're a legislator that was maybe on the fence about something now, maybe this is a a little bit of a nudge you need where you realize like, okay, maybe this isn't going to get done at a federal level. If we want this in our state, we need to go ahead and act here.
1: There are two things that really jump out at me in in the way this has all gone down. Um, The first one to me is I used to work in Congress. I used to work in the United States Senate, and the glacial pace of the way things tend to move is not surprising. I really was surprised to see Schumer and Hatch on the same page, though, that that's kind of surprising. And it's the only thing in all of this that gives me a little bit of pause to see two guys from so far apart singing from the same songbook. However, that doesn't mean anything is going to move that fast. I'm still with you there. And I think the state legislators are absolutely going to be able to look at that and say, well, you know what? Might be our turn. And if there was any fear, get in now and get something done and make it that much less palatable for people at the federal level to look at this and want to do it. The second thing that jumps out at me, and this is just playing a little conspiracy theory, and I want you guys to jump in on this as well. We talked about David Rebuck and the desire to go after the offshores, and that is a good thing. To really be able to get this done, you need the feds on your side, and you need that level of push to really be able to get it going. Is there any way in there that you guys see the possibility – that we see some sort of horse trading when it comes to some level of not necessarily federal legislation, but some sort of federal encouragement and the potential trade back of, and we'll really put the DOJ behind this.
2: Eric. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about it. You know, I mean, yeah, it certainly seems plausible. We have some poker experience to draw on in this regard where the federal government got involved with, with shutting down offshore operators without uh, installing a federal framework for for online gambling legislation necessarily, uh, sports betting you know maybe a little bigger, more pressing issue right now, and yeah, it's not a stretch to think that Palone sort of might be acting as the go-between between um, state officials in New Jersey and 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 officials at the federal level either.
0: I like the thought for sure. Um, my opinion is I've pretty much retired on trying to figure out what these guys are trying to do and why they're trying to do it. I've, I've followed along, and it seems like every time I think that I'm on the right path, it, it always takes a turn sideways. and. And I don't, you know, I don't. The stuff that must go on, we, you know, you watch these political shows on television, and you see, and, and Adam, you like you said, I mean, you you probably know firsthand with all this, but you watch these political shows on TV, and you see all this, all the backhanded stuff that goes down, and all the hallway sh- handshakes, and all the different things like that, and then you realize, like, man, they didn't make this up. Like the people told them this is how this goes on, and how all this works. Like it, it really makes you st- step back, and you go, I know I'm watching a drama or a fictional show on television, but. This is basically a documentary.
1: Oh, there's no question. When it comes to those handshake deals and and things that get done after five drinks or, you know, over a late night dinner or something like that, and you think it's the big machine of Congress that's working. No, no, it's a lot <laughs> more based on relationships and it's a lot more based on those little handshakes and things like that. I mean, I used to work for Senator Harry Reid, and if anybody knows Reid's backgrounds, I mean, he was the ultimate deal maker and inside baseball guy. So, yeah, that's how a lot of it goes down, and I'm sure it's fascinating to watch from the outside.
2: Yeah, yeah we'd be is. remiss not to mention the sports leagues here, of course. They're active in lobbying at the federal level. They're, you know, almost certainly in Senator Schumer's ear and Senator Hatch's ear. And, uh, you know, another thing that Reebok talked about in that hearing was he he said, don't expect this to go away anytime soon. The leagues will continue to fight this tooth and nail at the state and federal level for for as long as it takes.
0: And to close things out today, guys, I really like how we kind of do this with each show. We'll take. A, a topic and really go off to where we can give an opinion on it, where there's really no right side or wrong side, although we do feel we're on the right side of things more times than not. Uh, Brett, I, before we get going with the, the opinion on all this from our perspective, can you just lay out the article at hand that you can find at com and people can at least read it for themselves and they can decide how they want to feel uh, one way or another, but we're, we're certainly going to give our opinion on it as well.
3: Yeah, our colleague Steve Ruddick posted an opinion piece about the pricing at online sports books, particularly in New Jersey, the legal ones. Uh, and Steve arguing that pricing is not the only factor that most sports bettors are going to consider when choosing a place to bet. Uh, advantage players or bettors who seem to think they have an advantage are up in arms about this, complaining about VIG at regulated sports books compared to offshore sports books. But there's just way more that goes into this when betters are are comparing sports books and, and deciding where they want to bet
0: yeah and basically what steve was saying is that at the end of the day there will always be people that line shop and those people have every right in the whole world to line shop but there will also be people who just do things for convenience and i know a lot of people were making fun of him about his gas station comparison but honestly if you if you take it down Uh, And really like sit down and try to look at this from a a non-biased opinion. He basically said, yeah, there will be people who will drive an extra mile down the road because they know that the gas is 10 cents cheaper. And they're going to do that every single time because that's what's important to them. There are other people who their neighborhood gas station is a block away and it might be 15 cents more expensive per gallon, but they don't want to have to drive that extra mile. They don't want they don't care. It doesn't bother them. It doesn't matter to them that it's 15 more cents at that at that gas station. And that people were like joking about that comparison, but it really is right in line with what's going on here there are going to be people who shop the lines at the various books there're going to be people who download all 8 of these apps in New Jersey and before they place a bet they are going to find the li- they're going to look up the line at every single book and they're going to make that bet at the place where they can get the best odds there are also going to be people who download one app and just because that's the one app that they downloaded and they happen to like it and they like the way that it looks and they can find the bets they want to make they're going to continue to use that app, come hell or high water, and it does not matter if they're paying a, a worse, a, a worse vig, at, at, at you know at DraftKings or at FanDuel than you could get at, at at Sugar House or whatever it might be. So, it's one of those things where I think that people are jumping up and down about something where if you really take a take a second and you step back and you look at it in the big picture of things, and Eric, we'll start with you on this, that I think that you can really kind of get to the point where you understand what's going on here.
2: I think the gas station metaphor is spot on. I can't really pick holes in that. We also I mean, this is a gambling vertical and we have whole gambling cities that exist because people are willing to take less than stellar investments on their money. I mean, Las Vegas is more than happy to take your money at a six five blackjack table, but they're gonna show you a good time while they do it. And I mean, you know, people are happy to a lot of people are happy to pay that. Some people still won't play blackjack because it's a losing game long term. A lot of other people will. Um, similar with sports betting, you know, the hardcore bettors are, are probably going to stay offshore in the short term. And I don't necessarily fault that. Um, but that's not the case for a lot of casual bettors, convenience and branding and, uh, you know, the periphery peripheral options and and features and amenities that sportsbooks can offer are enough of a draw for a lot of bettors.
0: And Adam, you know, I certainly want your take on what I just said. And then also just to kind of, to kind of follow up with that is that, You know, look, we're in its infancy here in New Jersey. There are people, this is still a a marketplace. There are now going to be eight different apps available. People are going to be competing with each other. Um, I think to sit here and draw conclusions after a couple of months here is a lot of these people just looking for something to complain about.
1: Wait a minute. Are you trying to tell me that people go on Twitter just to have something to complain <laughs> about because they're looking for an argument? Hey, guess what? Elasphemy. Guess what? Headline, yeah,
0: headline, headline. Twitter is a cesspool. Yes, I know.
1: Yeah, I know. yeah. That's oh, a- oh. <laughs> that's a different podcast. But <laughs> no, we're talking about what eight online books that are in, as you just said, in their infancy in New Jersey. The Nevada market is what it is. We're talking about this because this is what we have to talk about. This is what's in front of us right now. And so I, I, for me, it, it's going to go back to something I hinted at earlier. It, it's about market size and market share. And I don't think that the people who are getting on there and complaining and you know wringing their hands about all this understand just the scale that we're going to get into in this industry. And to understand that they've basically, you know if you're a hardcore better, you've had the landscape to yourself for a long time. And this has been something that's existed as a niche and in the margins. That's over. You need to get used to the idea that this is what's out there mainstream now and that that guy down the street who goes to Vegas once or twice a year and throws in 20 bucks on the bills for his mom back home as a futures bet. That guy is the market now, not all of the market, but a lot bigger piece of the market than it used to be. Uh, As soon as people who have made a living in this for a long time begin to understand that a little bit more, I think that they're going to get. A little more understanding and if they don't, they're gonna get swallowed up by the volume of all
0: this. Yeah, and, and Brett, one of the things that you and I kinda talked about offline about this was the fact that if you're if you're a guy that's angry because there's a game that's being offered at minus one twelve at a New Jersey sports book and you can get it at minus one ten at an offshore sports book there's a pretty decent chance. And, you know, listen, do what you do. I don't it's, it is what it is. I'm not going to sit here and and trying to say, you know, don't do what you're doing. What I will say is that these New Jersey sports books, probably if we're being honest, probably you're not their their, their target customer anyway.
3: Yeah. Look, if you've been on sports in the U.S. and you want the best prices, go bet offshore. The legal books aren't going to stop you. We're not going to stop you. David Reebok might eventually try to stop you, <laughs> but until then, go ahead. Like, if, if you think these sites actually care about you, these offshore sites, have a look at some of the offshore gambling sites that have vanished over the past decade. Poke around, see if some of these companies keep accounts segregated and, and your player funds safe. The fact is we don't know how these companies are making transactions. We don't know how they're conducting business because it's all happening outside of our purview and that's a problem. So, I mean, in, in New Jersey right now, you're paying more vague illegal legal sports books. It's going to cost more money for them to to operate a business. Think of it as a protection tax. Your money is safe. Every bet and account is tracked and overseen. And that, I think, is worth paying for.
2: Yeah. It's funny that I think all of us have had our, our experience in the poker industry used against us when we're speaking about sports betting. We I don't know if anybody outside of the poker industry is more qualified to talk about the dangers of unregulated and this offshore gambling. We've seen this we've seen happened. this firsthand. We yeah. it's still it's still happening today um, you know, same sentiments. I don't fault anyone for doing what they're doing, but to expect us to promote, you know, to not promote a regulated industry over an unregulated offshore one is, is out of line.
0: And Eric, I think you just touched on something that I really did want to touch on here was the fact that, you know, through all of this, uh, you know, lots of personal attacks slung in my direction. I got a lot of stay in your lane and things like that. And, um, I think my lane is probably the lane, to be perfectly honest with you, as compared to a lot of these people. I live, you know, they don't know my background. They don't know things that went on with with me back in the day and how long I've been in this industry. And at the end of the day, I've had... Uh, you know, tens of thousands of dollars have vanished for, you know, for, from me and, and from doing this stuff. And listen, I was young and I didn't understand the risks that were involved. And at the end of the day, there weren't really many options that were that were going on out there. And, you know, it probably would have happened the same way. That said, that doesn't mean I can't live and learn. And I certainly have lived and learned and I've lived and learned. And I've paid the price through all of these things. And so for people to say, you know, stay in your lane, you don't know what you're talking about. I can guarantee you, I know what I'm talking about. I lived it. I've lived through all of this stuff, and it's not just the poker industry. I had sports books disappear. I had sports books steal money from me, and it's one of those things where, you know, when I see these people say like, you know, um, you guys are shilling and and different things like that, reporting on the numbers that come out of New Jersey and saying that these are quite promising is not shilling for the New Jersey industry. It's called reporting the numbers. Eric, you do an incredible job at reporting. Adam, you do an incredible job at reporting. Brett and I do analysis, more opinion type stuff. For us to give our opinion on the reporting that you guys are doing is not shilling. It is giving analysis. And if you look at the numbers, 100 million coming out of New Jersey in the month of August is something to be like, something to to raise your eyebrows. These are certainly things that we should be looking at and saying, wow, this is encouraging." and for you to say, well, why aren't you talking about the VIG? Because the VIG is not part of the story. The story is how much handle that's going on. The story is how much online business they did. The story is how much uh, they did this with one app in the market with no football that's going on. The VIG is not part of the story. So all of these attacks and all these people jumping up and down, it's kind of crazy because at the end of the day, I don't think they're the guys that are going to be playing in New Jersey. Regardless, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter what the vig would be because it's never going to get to what these uh, to what some of the vig is going to be these offshore books. And if that's what you're looking for, you're betting there for life anyway. You're not going to be betting at these legal sports books as it is. So, for you to come and attack us and say that we don't know what we're talking about, it just seems like misguided anger to me. The shill thing. Well, is
1: go ahead. Go ahead. There's one thing to add to that. Okay, so we're not talking about the vig, right? Go ahead and look back on the Legal Sports Report archives. We've talked plenty about it. When the FanDuel lines first came out at Meadowlands, they were nuts. I mean, we're not talking about 110 versus 112. We're talking about, are we sure they know what they're doing? We were more than willing to talk about it. It's not what we're going to sit there and talk about every day when we're talking about an industry that is about to blow up on a scale that people are not ready for.
2: In fairness, I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate here, and I will say that there is there is some place for what's happening. The the sort of pressure uh, from sports betting Twitter toward operators, there is something value, valuable to that when it's done in a correct way. Similar with you know DFS Twitter complaining about rake, operators should feel a pressure to be competitive in the marketplace. Uh, you know there's nothing wrong with that, and I, I will say personally, I'm starting to make a little more concerted effort to to include in my writings a little more education about w- what lines mean and what a good line looks like. So, so point taken to some extent in that regard. Too.
0: No, no. And, and listen, I think if things are absolutely egregious, by all means, you should certainly call people out. But at the end of the day, it's like we said, this is still an open marketplace. If you continue to put out horrible lines, there are now seven other operators. They're going to put you out of business. Like they're, they're, it's it's a It is now no longer just a one-man show that's going on over there in New Jersey with all of this. So, yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, you know, Brett, this is another one of the things you and I talked about that we tried to explain to, to these people that when you talk about, you know, licensing and you talk about the fees and you talk about the taxation and you talk about wages that have to be a certain way and you talk about marketing because, yes, you have to market in order to get new clients and new customers and things like that. To think that that they are going to be able to operate on the same margins as an offshore book is just is just absolutely ludicrous. And I had people literally saying that I was crazy when I when after I lay these things out, I I don't understand how this is something that can't easily be understood.
3: Yeah, these offshore books have a huge advantage right now because they don't have to pay for all these fees, and that's that's one of the main reasons here. We have to we have to get rid of the we have to weed out these offshore sites because. It is really, right now, it's a hindrance to what the possibilities are of legal sports betting in this country.
0: Yeah, I just, uh, I just want that we're not the enemy. It's like I basically we're, we're trying to be more educational than anything. We're not else. trying
2: to get you to play on DraftKings, right? We're, we're right. looking out for you here. We're trying to look out for you guys. We promise. We promise.
0: Yeah, I'm mean, seriously. It's not one of those things. It's not a, a an us versus you. It's just a, what's best for the industry and what's best for things going forward. And you know, like throwing your money into a remote island. Listen, yes, there are. Some some books that have been around a whole a, a long time and things like that, but I, I'm telling you, there is there is nothing at the end of the day from keeping them from not paying you out. I mean, there, there's honor and there's integrity, but there's there's nothing at the end of the day if you won a hundred thousand dollar bet for them to say, you know what, buddy, you can go fly a kite.
2: And it's happened, like we just talked about. We've all seen it happen in poker there. It's happened in DFS. It's happened in sports betting. These are, this is not just a hypothetical. These are things that actually happen in the unregulated world.
0: Absolutely. Guys, this has been an awesome episode. We're out of here in 45 minutes like we were aiming for. Adam, is there anything with your sultry voice? What, what can you say to someone? You need like a tagline, essentially, with a voice like that. When we leave these shows, Like you need to give like a little line that everybody knows it's Adam's line.
1: I'm going to let you guys work on this a little bit because (laughs) marketing is not my thing. But I will tell you that when I had a newspaper column every week, it was called Sweet Talk.
0: There you go. (laughs) There you go. See, I like this. I like this a lot. Uh, Thanks for being here. Adam, if they want to find you on the Twitter machine, where can they do that?
1: Uh, The very cleverly named at Adam Candy.
0: Uh, Very, very, very good. Very good. Uh, Not spelled like the candy that you eat, though.
1: I don't know what you're going to find if you go there. That's basically the offshore book (laughs) version of Adam Candy. Don't go there.
0: Yes, it's, it's a couple of E's there, guys. Uh, Brett Colson if they want to find you on the Twitter machine.
1: I am at Brett Colson.
0: And Eric, still underscore, yeah.
2: Eric underscore Ramsey. What about you? Did you get rid of those stupid letters and numbers at the end of your Twitter handle? I have
0: a name, Matt Brown. It is literally the most, it is hey. one of the, it is one of the top 10 most common names in the history of the world. <laughs> I am never going to get anything. I have no email address that is anywhere close to Matt Brown. I have no handles, no anything that's anywhere close to Matt Brown. So you got to get Loser. creative. Yeah, I know. When you have a name like Matt Brown, you can find me at Matt m 2 You can find all of the stuff we talked about, of course, at our myriad of sites. We got LegalSportsReport.com. We have OnlinePokerReport.com. We have the lines. Dot com, we have playpix.com. We have playpiapennsylvania.com. We have all these different sites. So be sure and read these articles and inform the opinions for yourself. And listen, if we are not saying things that you agree with, podcast at the lines.com. We want to hear from you and we will definitely, uh, take, no, your uh, we'll no definitely take your criticisms. We'll definitely take your criticisms. Yeah, yeah. we we'll, yep. let's try to avoid the uh, yeah, the go kill yourself stuff. Uh, <laughs> that's uh that is frowned upon on this podcast. That will that those emails will not be read. That's that's for sure. Um, guys, thanks for listening to episode number 21 here. iTunes, go subscribe rate and review. We will see you guys next week.